My days working, taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. No one is, 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 is more locked From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filippone. All right, thank you everyone for tuning in to another edition of First and Pod. Pony, back on paternity leave, trying to bang it out before the regular season begins. I mean, he already banged it out, which is why he now has a kid, but then he's banging out of paternity leave. It's very confusing. Yeah. Uh, but as you guys have known at this point, uh, we bring on our friends in the offseason. Not that there's ever really an NFL offseason, but it's been a lot of fun. We'll be back to uh, every team, every week, every game once the season starts. So I miss working with our next guest. We did a couple of years of You Better You Bet Sunday mornings, but the show got so damn big that they kicked my ass off and they were like, we need to have Lockie Lockerson, Ken Barkley on whenever he's on because they're a team. And frankly, it was the right decision because it's the number one sports gambling podcast of all the podcasts. And if you're number one in anything in podcasting, that's incredible. Because I don't know if you heard, the market is slightly oversaturated. The host of your You Better You Bet, Nick Costos. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Great to be on with you, my friend. Um, I, I'm still not kind of past the whole banging out thing at the beginning. Is it that complicated? Is it? I'm not, I'm not so sure it is. Yeah, yeah. He. We know how it works. We know how it works. Uh, but he did it, and he's a dad, and we're thrilled for him. And now he's taking some time off. So, yeah, I don't think you normally bang out paternity leave. God but. bless. I'll tell you what. I, I want to have a kid just so I could go on paternity leave. I don't even care about the kid. I just want to take time off from work. So I, I think I think Pony's got like did this did this correct. And before football season, too. Plan that out well with his wife. How much more time off from work do you need? Uh, all of it. 100% of it from the day after the Super Bowl ends until the day the NFL season starts. And Meg, you know, I'll work in March for the NCAA tournament also. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, Jim Rome's a legend and a pioneer, uh, and he's had many great lines, and he has a team of writers. But maybe my favorite line of his ever is, I take a lot of vacation because I earn a lot of vacation. No doubt. Absolutely. And, and even if I don't, I would still want to take the vacation, to be fair. To be fair. Yes, of course. So a big big life events all over this podcast. Pony uh, with his his first child. You, your your honeymoon was made for Instagram. Your wedding made for Instagram. How you still have the married life like glow on you. Uh, how is early stages? How's the first quarter of married life? I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm very happy, man. Um, it was my 40th birthday on June 6th. Happy birthday to me. And now in my forties, which is pretty awesome. Beats the alternative. I got married on June 24th and then went on my honeymoon for two weeks, a week in Italy and a week in Greece. I feel pretty confident saying, and the best six weeks of my life. It was, uh, it was, it was really outstanding. And you know, like, times in life aren't always great. And my life hasn't always been great. Um, just like anyone's life hasn't been great, right? You just root for good times. And I think it just makes me really grateful to experience some good times and just hope that you can keep it going. Cause you never know what's around the corner. So uh, hoping to ride this out for as long as I can. 
Did you place any bets from Greece or Italy? I, I'll be honest with you, man. Not only did I play, did I not place any bets, I was so completely unplugged. I, I knew what was going on in, in the NFL because the NFL is like my thing. And like, I, I if even if I didn't do this job, I would still cover the National Football League obsessively. I play fantasy. I play dynasty fantasy football. I bet on games. So it's like my favorite thing. So I was keeping track with NFL news. But other than that, man, like I was pretty out of the loop. And it was really, really, really nice for a couple it, weeks. It's so nice to to occasionally unplug. No, man, you are uh, you're crazy good at your job and an NFL super fan. And we're gonna do the gambling and some stories and get people to know a little bit more about you. Uh, but you are a Giants fan, so I like to start with people on like their areas of like passion and fandom and irrationality. Uh, are you a believer? Was last year like step one towards something real? Or was it an aberration and a fun season? You know, I, I think it's it's kind of a complicated answer, and I think it can go two different ways, um, and I'll, I'll explain them. So the first will be, we did an exercise, Danny, this summer on, on You Better, You Bet, uh, in the times when I was working. Yeah. Not many. Uh, we called it eight buckets, and the long and short of it is it was taking the team's week one point spread and using that and extrapolating forward kind of like what the point spreads would be in, in the other 16 games that they play over the course of the season, right? And then seeing like, okay, based on this, do we think the team is more likely to go under or over their win total? So in week one, as of right now, and the line can change in between now and kickoff on Sunday night, September 10th at MetLife when the Giants host the Cowboys, the Giants are three and a half point home underdogs in that game against Dallas. Like the market is saying that the Giants are not good. Like that is a Giants are not good point spread against Dallas. So if you take that and you kind of, you know, run it out over the course of another 16 games, the win total should actually be like six and a half and it's seven and a half. Um, so I think based on that, and I know that they made additions in the off season, like the team on, on the field should be better, but based on their schedule, and that's what the win total is rooted in. Everyone's like, oh, well, the schedule is this. So like it, the, the win total should be higher. It's actually, no, it's, it's because of the schedule that the win total is what it is. Um, six and a half is what we came um, up with for the win total. But then you look at the, the coaching staff for the giants. And I think this is the potential great equalizer where it's possible that the Giants have like the best head coach in the league or one of like the three best head coaches in the league and Brian Dable. And I love Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, and Wink Martindale coordinating the defense. So it's possible that the coaching staff is so good that it drags the sorry-ass 53-man rosters like eight, nine, ten wins maybe back to the postseason. And I think as a better, the question you have to ask yourself is, do you think that the coaching is really that good and can make that much of a difference? Because if it doesn't, this team's not going to be good. Like, I actually don't think that they're going to be good this year. If you made me bet, I take the under, but I'm also very bullish on Dable and the coaching staff, which would lead me, Danny, to not make a bet. And that would be my honest appraisal of the Giants. Yeah, it, no, it's fascinating because Dable might be the single greatest thing that an NFL head coach can be. Like to me, there's two things that are even in the conversation: the great game planner or the quarterback maximizer. And like Andy Reid's a quarterback maximizer, right? He. Kevin Cobb, Jeff Garcia, Alex Smith. Remember Kevin Cobb? That's a good pull by you. Yeah, Donovan McNabb. Like Alex, they all had their best years with Andy Reid. And then he gets Pat Mahomes and he's now an unquestioned Hall of Famer. But like if Brian Dable is the guy who unlocks Josh Allen and then he fixes Daniel Jones, it's the most valuable thing you can have because then you'll never have bad quarterback play 
if that's your coach's superpower. I'll, I'll, I'll take this a step further where like the thing that I think a head coach does and what I, my favorite thing as a Giants fan and as a football fan about Brian Dable. And it's not that I'm like the be all, although I kind of fancy myself to be like the be all end all of like what coaches should do while, like while the game is going on in, in big moments. I think Dable like 99% of the time makes the right call when to go for it, when to punt, what to do in the red zone, you know, timeout usage, when to throw the challenge flag. I think he might be like the best at it. And this comes off the heels of Joe Judge and Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo. So it's really extra stark when you watch Brian Dable actually manage the game properly. I think there's a chance he's actually like the best in the NFL at it. Sirianni's great. Also, Reed's great. There are other Belichick, there are other coaches that are great at it. Dable is superior at it. And I think like if you get into close games, that's the guy that you want, like pulling the strings and making the decisions. It's why I think the Giants are a really difficult team to handicap and bet heading into the year. All right. So in that division, do you go with consensus, Philly, Dallas, Giants, Commanders, or is anything out of whack in the NFC East as you see it? I think if anything were to be very out of whack, it would be that the Commanders are a lot better than people think. And the reason is... I'm an over on them. Yeah, I love it. Uh, that's Ken Barkley, my co-host, Lockie Lockerson on You Better You Bet. It's his biggest win total position out of any in the NFL. And as of right now, leading up to the season is over on the commanders. And the thought is, you know, Ron Rivera is a multi-time coach of the year. The defense is going to be awesome. And I think that's something that not a lot of people are thinking about. Like, actually, yeah, this defense is actually great. Chase Young in a contract year. And then, which is my favorite thing to like to take a team with a low win total and say, could this team like really overachieve? What you're looking for is volatility at the quarterback position where maybe things go really poorly with Sam Howell and he's really bad, or maybe he's really good. And what if, forget about really good, what if he's like above average, slightly above average? What if he's a little bit better than Carson Wentz? You tell me the commanders aren't going to win seven games. We saw him play once in week 18 against Dallas. He played really well. I understand it's kind of like the last game of the year. Also like showed some rushing chops as well, making him a little interesting on the, the deep like fantasy radar for this year. But Howell's unknown. And if he's good, Washington's going to be a threat in that division. So just something that I'm thinking about here. Let's see how Sam Howell looks. He'll start in the team's first preseason game uh, this weekend. As far as the top of the division, it's hard for me to get behind Dallas with Mike McCarthy calling the plays now um, with Kellen Moore now in Los Angeles they're still going to be a playoff team defense is awesome Dan Quinn is still there and I kind of like the thought of you know let's kind of limit Dak's you know um, bad throws let's run the ball a little bit more but it's still McCarthy we've seen this play out in Green Bay he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers this time I think the Eagles even despite losing both coordinators to head coaching jobs are still the class of the division and the class of the NFC I wouldn't be shocked at all if they won 13 games this year after winning 14 last year so what like that's available right now? Because like I, I consume a ton of gambling content, and it, I understand why we all do it. It's like I bet it at this, but it's available here right now. And like as an as a consumer, it's like, well, damn, like I want it where you got it. And I know that's part of the sharps, and that you guys do the lines on Mondays and the whole thing. But like, what position or positions that our audience has access to now? Do you Nick Costos like I I in the NFC East or just like in general? No, any any anything in the NFL, anything in the NFL. Well, I I definitely like that Commanders win total over for sure. I think okay. that's a really sharp bet. I like that you're on that as well. I think the most beatable division is the NFC South, with the thought being New Orleans is the favorite at plus one thirty. Um, sometimes it just comes down to handicapping the NFL. It's like hey, does the, does the team that you'd like to bet on or against have a good coach quarterback combination? Uh 
I'll go against Derek Carr and Dennis Allen every day of the week and twice on Sunday and maybe even on a Monday or Thursday night also. That That's easy for me, a just easy decision to make. And then it's like, who's your horse? Is it Carolina or Atlanta? I think there's a case to be made for both. I, I would take shots with both of those teams to beat New Orleans in the NFC South. Uh, I think this will maybe rankle you a little bit, being a Chicago guy. But in the NFC North, I think this is another like pretty beatable market potentially with a vulnerable favorite in the Lions. Now, the Lions' ultimate upside is higher than any of the other teams in the division. I think the Lions' ultimate upside is like maybe to go to the Super Bowl this year and like maybe contend with the big boys in the NFC. I don't know if the other teams have that ultimate upside, but I think Green Bay's ceiling is pretty high. Higher than the Bears and higher than the Vikings. And again, this kind of falls under the same umbrella of the Commanders with Sam Howell. I'll ask the question, what if Jordan Love is good? What if Jordan Love's good? Now, I know you love Justin Fields, and I love Justin Fields as a, as a fantasy quarterback because he's such a stud running the football. I, like, you can talk yourself into the bull case for the bear, Justin Fields, definitely, right? If he improves as a pastor, DJ Moore now year two in the system, you can talk yourself into it. I just haven't seen it. And what I have seen is this coach quarterback combination being bad enough last year to get the number one overall pick in the draft. I'm not saying they're definitely going to be bad. There's a chance that they could be really good. I'd rather bet on Matt LaFleur, who's won a million regular season games. I know Rodgers is the quarterback, but I think he's proven to be a really good coach. And if love is good, the Packers could win 12 games. Now, if he's bad, they could win five games. But I like make, taking a bet on the upside of Green Bay, betting the Packers a plus 400 to win the NFC North and also to go over their win total of seven and a half. Just a couple of, of, of the ones I like. I know that's all great. Uh, I like Carol, Carolina's my horse in the NFC South. Logic being won seven games last year and improved at quarterback and coach, and the defense is going to be good. Like, they're not punting on the season, and I think it's absolutely in play that Bryce Young, I love that they're playing him immediately. I love that they're not messing around with any of the nonsense, and they're going to just actually roll him out there. So I like Carolina as my pick in the in the NFC South. The Packers thing, man, Part of it is you're going to bet them week one, by the way, you're going to bet Carolina week one plus three on the road in Atlanta. Yes. 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 Yeah, I, you think, can, uh, I think I will you too. Can, you can I'm pencil me in for that bet right now. I, I think we think we said on the show that we think that that might go up to three and a half. So like you, anyone else likes Carolina also, there's no way that ever goes to two and a half. You lose yeah. nothing by waiting. Wait to see if you get a three and a half. I think that's an absolute, an absolute click of easy click of the button at Carolina. I, I, I agree completely. And then Green Bay, I mean, first of all, so this is the irrational part and the part that is definitely clouded by my fandom. Jordan Love can't be good. He can't okay. be. Well, well, he can be. No, he, he can't. They they can't go from Favre to Rodgers from yeah, Love. Here's, 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 here's what's, great, what's great is I know Danny in his personal life, and like Danny does this on the air also. One of the most level-headed, rational thinkers like yes. I have ever encountered. <laughs> and then he utters the statement, Jordan Love actually like can never – there's no scenario where Jordan Love is good. I love this and dichotomy. I, and I admit it. I Like I am yeah, relentlessly rational – but when it comes to the Bears are going to have a franchise quarterback and the Packers will have to experience life like the rest of the NFL lives, I am just willing it into existence. But he doesn't have to be Rodgers or Favre for, for, uh, for this scenario to, uh, to come to Of course, of course. But I'm rooting for – people are like, don't you want him to be, you know, like 
uh, Kirk Cousins or Daniel Jones, like good and good enough to get paid. But then I'm like, no, I want him to be and I want him to be Tim Couch or Achilles Smith. Like I want him to be an unmitigated disaster and then for them to follow him up with an unmitigated disaster and then for them to follow him up with Daniel Jones or Kirk Cousins. Like they need 15 years of either bad or mediocre, but they don't get to just go from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer to mediocre. They need to bottom out okay. and that's what's going to happen. I buy it. And then their defense has a ton of talent, but was awful. Like, and I know there were injuries, but they're going to run the ball and they're well coached and they have some studs on defense, but they were like shockingly not productive consistently. And so, and I think the Vikings are obviously frauds. So while I, I think the lions are clearly the best roster in the NFC North. And I think they actually match up terribly with the bears because the bears rush defense is going to be awful. And the lions are committed to running the ball and have an unbelievable offensive line. So like, I think the Lions are a deserved favorite, but I actually do think, and yes, you could accuse me of some homer bias, sure, but I think the Bears are a decent upside play if you don't believe in the Lions. Yo, I and look, like I'm not I'm not saying that I think Chicago's definitely gonna be bad. Just that I would rather back Green Hor- Green Bay as my horse in that division. Because of the sure. unknown, I think we know less about love than we do about Fields. And I don't love, pun intended, everything that I've seen from Justin Fields. But like I'll say this about Detroit. I agree. They are a deserved favorite. No doubt about it. They absolutely need Aiden Hutchinson to be a monster this year. If they are going to like seriously contend, because I still think that that defense has some issues and needs some work. The offense should be explosive, should be really good. I love Jameer Gibbs. I think he's like Percy Harvin, the first round running back and uh, someone to keep an eye on. I don't know how many people are talking about this guy yet. Um, They will be over the course of the next month, I think. Their rookie tight end, second-round pick, Sam Laporta out of Iowa. So Hawkinson's obviously now in Minnesota. Laporta's going to start on day one, and like he could actually be a productive rookie tight end for the end of fantasy football drafts this year. I think he could be a difference maker for the Lions offense this year. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there. 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right, so you're a monster uh, fantasy player. And you go by the prop king, and I loved doing props with you on the show. I loved our money line underdog parlay. Do you guys still do the money line dog parlay on Sundays? Uh, Ken does it. I just I'm kind of like, hey, buddy, like what do you, what do you like? Is the underdog money line parlay? And then the, and then he talks for a few minutes. It's one of my favorite parts of the week. I don't have to do anything. All right, I like to look at, th- think of that as my lasting uh, contribution to the show. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I, I love I love that bet. I um, but anyway, uh, before we talk specifics of fantasy and sleepers or whatever I think that people would be fascinated in as detailed and as long as you want this could be the portion where I don't do anything what's your prop process oh it's a great question um oh man I I can go real long here on this um take your time okay so this is my honest answer it's the first thing that comes to mind um at the age of six you didn't think you didn't think I was you're going a long time you didn't you didn't think that that's where I was going, right? When I said I was going to go long here, I'm going, we're going to, let's take a trip back in time, 34 years, age six for Christmas. I got the NFL encyclopedia. Thurman Thomas was on the cover. I read the entire thing. Um, I've been an obsessed sports fan literally my entire life. So basically what happened and the NFL has always been my favorite thing. I love all sports and I know what goes on at all sports and I'm really good at sports trivia, but the NFL has always been my favorite thing. So basically what's happened is, is since 1990, the first year that I watched sports on like a real, like obsessive basis, the giants won the Super Bowl and January 27th, 1991 against the Bills in Tampa, 20 to 19. It was really awesome. But basically since then, my life has been, it's one running storyline with the National Football League. So when I wake up every day, I know what's happening in the NFL. So it's basically been, my life is preparation for props. And fantasy falls under the umbrella of props as well. So this entire offseason, just like last offseason and the offseason before that, I am following everything that's happening in the NFL. I know who's being drafted in the seventh round. I know who the undrafted players are. I know who the third running back is for every team. I know who the sixth wide receiver is for every team because I'm an obsessed dynasty fantasy football player also. And I really love this stuff. So come the time that the season starts, I have a really good idea of guys that I really like, right? Going into week number one, based on preseason usage, based on, you know, injuries play a part in it, right? If like the the nickel cornerback is out for a team, then maybe you like the uh, the slot receiver. So when you're coming into the season, I have a great idea as to the guys that I want to bet. And then as the season goes on, what you want to do is kind of take stock of numbers, right? I'll use DJ Moore as an example. I think DJ Moore, you're building a bull case on him. He said he's going to be really good to start and maybe he'll get better as the season goes along. I think it's likely that DJ Moore's receiving yards prop will not be too high to start the year because of maybe some pessimism about Justin Fields and the passing offense. DJ Moore is not going to open at 95 yards. It's not, that's like Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill territory, Devontae Adams. So DJ Moore's not going to be there. But let's just say, right, DJ Moore goes for 10 targets, 70 yards in week number one when the Bears lose to my Green Bay Packers. The next week, if the line opens and DJ Moore is like still at like 58 and a half or 60 and a half or 62 and a half, that's where you say, okay, like we have actually seen something that tells us that this number is incorrect. Like he, he, even if the yards weren't there, and maybe that's a better example, the yards aren't there, but the 11 targets are there. You say, okay, like if Fields has a little bit better game throwing the football, more maybe catches, what, whatever. Variance probably works in your favor this time, and the number might be the same or close to the same. 
situations like that are what I really look for when I'm betting yardage props, right? Like, is this mispriced? It can sometimes come down to, I just love this matchup. The number is really high. I'm going to take the over anyway. But those are the sorts of situations I'm looking for where I can say, I actually think like this is mispriced. This guy should be in this tier instead of the tier that he's in. So I think, you know, the the running storyline kind of leads me into the year and then keeping track of numbers as the year goes along to figure out, okay, it's not just my opinion now. My opinion is this is going to happen. I actually think that there is a mistake with the guy, this guy's number. And I would like to register my opinion in the market that that number is wrong. Do you do you line shop it and like know when each different book posts their numbers? Well, I'm uh, BetMGM sponsors me, and you better you bet. So BetMGM is the only sports book that I use, the king of sports books. Okay, but but if I were not sponsored by BetMGM, then I would be then I would be line shopping. But BetMGM always has the best lines, as you know. Okay. But yes, I would be line shopping. For okay. Sure. Well, we can cut that. Uh, <laughs> you're, or, you're, or don't. Yeah, yeah, or not. Your your level of specific player knowledge of like the seventh wide receiver and stuff is like legitimately very impressive. And I say that as someone who's also obsessed with the NFL and also watches every game and also does this professionally, like you definitely can name more players on more teams than I can. And it's not close. Do you think you could do like every offensive line left to right? Um, Not yet. But like come week one, I could probably come pretty close to it. Not yet. Okay. Okay, I will, I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to quiz you, but I'm just curious, like how obsessive you are at like studying the depth charts and the whole thing. I, I, I would say less than like knowing the names of all the players. Um, I read a lot about not like just specifically offensive line play, but I have a general idea. Like if you give me a team, I could tell you like where I think they slot as far as like an yeah. offensive line unit heading into the season. Because to me, that's the number one thing that the casual better doesn't think about is they do. It's coach, quarterback, home, road recent games scores outcomes that sort of thing but like the old boxing adage styles make fights there are just some teams that are good matchups for other teams and i'm not talking about like trends based on history but like i do really believe that the bears are in a significant amount of trouble against the lions this year because the lions strength being committed to running the ball and an awesome offensive line goes up directly against a bears weakness there are whereas a team like the Vikings who are going to be reliant on passing the ball a ton. And Kirk Cousins could have 650 pass attempts this year. The bears have good coverage linebackers, good young secondary. Like I actually don't think that's nearly as bad of a matchup for, for the bears in that division. And so I think that that is a skill that you have. I hope it's a skill that I have when we're trying to handicap things like actually thinking about what the game plan would be for that specific week in that specific matchup. Yeah. So I, it's, you bring up a great point and I always think of, because we all think of, we're all football fans at, at, at the end of the day. Right. So this stuff is really fun to think about that sort of line of thought though, train of thought. I try and apply that towards prop bets and towards fantasy. And this is kind of like like the way that I bet on games now. It, 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 honestly, it's from doing the show and like working with people like Ken and having some of the guests we have on the best number, right? It's, it's, it's all, it's literally, it's all about that. Like that is like actually like how to win. And yes. I know that it's not like the sexiest thing to hear. It's actually though, like when you really get in the nitty gritty as to what a point spread is, when it's going to move, why it's going to move. And like why you think it's going to move in a certain direction before it does is actually I can't believe I'm saying this. It's almost as fun. It's not as fun. It's almost as fun as watching the actual game itself. Is the cat and mouse game that goes on with betters and sports books leading up to the game and figuring out like when to bet. 
So like, I think about that stuff all the time. So when you said like Lions offensive line uh, versus like Chicago defensive line and run defense, I think of that less as the Lions can cover the spread against Chicago more than like fire up David Montgomery in a revenge game against his former team or huge yep. game for Jameer Gibbs, for instance. But I always think about all this stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it applies beautifully to, to that for sure. So then take people through the process. And I know that you have Ken who has an algorithm and that's like a very valuable thing. And that's something that I never will do in my life is like have an Excel spreadsheet, have my own data to put out my own point spread and have my spread say that this is seven tenths of a point better than the market. And so I'm going to fire on it. Like I admire the hell out of people to do it. That's how the pros do it. That just will never be me. But what is the process that someone should know about if they are trying to line shop, get closing line value, find the best in the number? You want to, uh, I don't think we've talked about this. Um, this is going to blow your mind. I think I may, I could teach you how to do it could come up with a point with point spreads in probably like five minutes. I could teach you how to do it. And you'd be able like to come within like, and it's this whole idea. Well, well hold on a second. I, oh, yeah. I do the whole Bill Simmons cousin sound. No, no, not like guess the line. Like I can like, like there's a way it's not that difficult. It actually is not that hard to come up with like the actual close to the correct point spread of the game. And like, when you, I'll, I'll answer your question in a second and I'll give you a really good answer, but like, I could teach you how to do it. Like, it's actually like, it's not as complicated as you think it is. But even in basketball? Basketball is actually the easiest sport to figure out. It's the hardest sport to beat because the yeah. line is so efficient because it's like, you give me two teams like the night before and I'll tell you what the point spread is within like a half point probably. And it's it's less like, wow, look at how great I am for being able to do that. It's if you like spend time thinking about it, it's really not complicated at all. And that, And then you're able to say, well, if I ask, you know, Philly, for instance, right? What's the line of the Sixers game against an inferior team? And I say eight and you go, oh, actually it's three. Then I go, okay, Joel Embiid's hurt. And I know that right when you say it. Um, so basketball is actually the easiest one to be able to do. Okay, well, so, all right. Well, so then hmm, answer my question or tell me how to, what you're saying for that or vice versa. I'm, I'm down for either answer. Okay, so, you know, it's really thinking about, I, I think the best way to do it is to think about point spreads in ranges, um, so there's favored by less than three on either side. There's favored by three to like six and a half. And then like seven and greater is probably the way to think about it. And there's more specific way to do it. Like seven and a half to nine and a half, then 10 to 12 and a half. And then like 13 and above. So yeah. there's like, there's like, yeah, like really like, really like, uh, dialing in, but you know, let's take the giants for instance, I'll bring up the giant schedules as we talk about them. So let's see who the giants are playing in week two. Uh, the Giants in week one are three and a half point home underdogs right now against the Cowboys. In week two, they're on the road at the Arizona Cardinals. So it's almost like, let's say that Dallas blitz, I'm going to create a scenario for you. Dallas blitz beats, beats the Giants by double digits, right? I know no matter what, the Giants need to be more than a three point favorite on the road. It may be Clayton Toon and the Arizona Cardinals in week two. I know that right now, unless like Daniel Jones gets hurt. I know that that needs to be the case. So let's say Dallas blows them out. And let's say Arizona has a decent showing it of itself against Arizona. And the number opens three. Like, I know already that number's wrong. And I would be, bet the Giants. I don't need to be like a, a, a math wizard to know that. That, that, is, that, that that's the right move to make. Um, a great way to think about it, when a point spread comes out on Sunday night, and I do a lot of my betting on Sunday night for, for the following week. Yep. And again, you don't have to have an algorithm. You don't have to have an Excel spreadsheet to be able to answer this question. 
take a look at a point spread at open and say to yourself, what is more likely that this goes up or that this goes down? And there could be injury stuff that's up in the air. There could be like narrative stuff based on what's happened like the, the, that day in the games where you should be able to say, and like, I think you'd be surprised by how often you get this right. Being like, what do I think is more likely to happen here? And you could bet that way and saying, I think the spread's going to go here. So I'm going to bet this right now on Sunday night. Um, I, I think like that's, that's probably, that's how I do it now. I make all my point spreads on Sunday night based on past data it, it, it anchors you in, in what the closing spread was as opposed to what you saw on the field, which is really important because the NFL is the ultimate week-to-week league. So you kind of like don't get seduced by what you saw. You anchor yourself in, in math and you're able to make a better bet because of that. And but, this whole like- Ken does have a, I hear him say all the time, right? He's like, my number is this. Yes, and his number's better than mine, but my number's getting pretty good. My numbers are getting pretty good. I would say that there are times when we will have- out of, you know, out of 16 games where maybe like 13, we are like exactly the same. And then maybe like the other three were off a little bit, in which case like I, and, and he can be wrong. He doesn't have to be right all the time. But when he and I are off, I have to ask myself the question, like, what, what have I done wrong here? And, right. uh, and, and I guess like my, my last answer to this will be um, the idea that like Vegas knows right. is such a misnomer because Vegas can we curse on this or no? Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. Yeah. Vegas doesn't. Vegas doesn't fucking know anything. So uh, take the Super Bowl for example. Sharp now, betters know. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like well, like in the Super Bowl, like people say, oh, well, you know, Kansas City opened two and a half and they won by three. What a great number! It's like, or Kansas City opened two and a half. Uh, it's the game that takes like a billion dollars in action and uh, Philadelphia closed two and a half. Or like the number was wrong. It was bad. And yeah, Kansas City covered and like made sportsbooks because they could take the, their fake victory lap. Oh, look how smart we are. We opened up a number that was really bad. Really? Vegas knows? No, no. Betters will tell Vegas what the correct number of the game should be. So I, I think that you asked me my opinion, what's the best way to bet? Um, bet early in the week when numbers are probably off before limits go up. I'm guessing that a lot of people in the audience, this is myself included, are not looking to bet like $25,000 a game when the limits go up on like Thursday. You bet for smaller sums of money earlier in the week, and that's okay. Yep. No, I think that, that that's that's all great advice. I love placing bets on Sunday night. There's no better feeling than getting some closing line value against the key number. You can really feel it in totals because the total can move kind of drastically and you're like, Oh man, I got four points of value on this total or something. It's a, it's an excellent, excellent feeling. Um, I definitely would like to have an off air conversation about how you're sniping baseball and basketball lines uh, on the, on the same thing. If you, you said basketball is the easiest and what's the hardest then? Uh, I don't pay like a ton of attention to hockey. So like, I would be bad at that. Um, baseball, like when I, we did this on the show, we were like, we would play like the overnights game, like guess the opening line. I was pretty good at it again. Like I, I think it's something that if you're like, if you're kind of dialed in and you know, like what pitchers are worth and like, yeah, I, I actually don't think it's that difficult to come up with a number that's like pretty close. If, if you're paying attention to, it, if you're doing it blind, like you're not going to do well at it. Um, but yeah, I think like once you're kind of dialed in, I think it's, it's not terribly difficult. And it doesn't okay. mean you're going to win if you get closing line value. I could still lose. Just no, that, no, like, no. You'd but, have but, a good but, but you are right. The only way to win is to get the best of the number. Right? It's the only way to win. 
Like um, in the in the long well, haul. It, well, the long haul, meaning like the long, long haul. But I mean, the story that I'll always tell, you know, I um, Odd Shark is a sports betting website and company. They sponsored me in the super contest a couple of years, flew us out to Vegas, and we competed in the super contest as part of like a media thing that they did with other members of the media. And I competed against a guy that I really respect, uh, pro sports better, Rob Pazola. It comes on my show a lot. It comes on You Better, You Bet. Very yeah. sharp guy. Uh, I like trounced him one year in the NFL, picking five games a week. I beat him by like 15 games. And at the time I was like, literally just like fading the public. And like, I don't know what the hell I was doing. So like, yeah, like you, you could win for a season, like not trying to get the best of the number and just like, you know, flipping the coins on Sunday morning, you can win, but yeah, you want to win in the long haul, getting the best of the numbers, the way to do it. And it's actually the process of doing it is incredibly satisfying and a lot of fun. So what are your strong you could go, you know, I think Jamar Chase is going to have a better year than Justin Jefferson. So you could go like at the top of the draft, but I'd like it in different tiers or whatever. Like, give me some strong Nick Costos fantasy beliefs. Okay. I think the most interesting thing in fantasy drafts um, and really the decision that fantasy players have to make. I'm not trying to be dramatic when I say like this will like make or break people's seasons, but I think it might is – uh is how the quarterback position is being drafted this year. And we've entered like a really interesting time in fantasy football because, you know, back in the day, at least like maybe probably like actually like five years ago. And yeah, you know, you play fantasy football, right? Where if you knew enough and you didn't have to know that much to know this, you knew that you should never be taking a quarterback at this, at the beginning of a fantasy draft. So like you'd be doing a draft and like someone in your home league would take Tom Brady in the first round and you'd be like fist pumping. Like, yes, what an idiot. Like, this person is not going to win. I am going to get a better player because of this. I'll get a similar quarterback like eight rounds from now. It's not going to matter. We've entered a time now, though, where there is a major gap now between the elite quarterbacks and, like, the lesser quarterbacks. And it's because of rushing equity mostly, right? And then you have Mahomes, who maybe is, like, the greatest player in the history of football. But uh, Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts were so good last year. And so far, but and other quarterbacks were good, too. Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. So other quarterbacks had really nice years, but those three were so good that they're now being drafted like the second round. And not only are they being drafted now in the second round, which seemed like anathema a couple of years ago, really sharp players are advocating for this strategy to make sure that you get one of these difference makers a quarterback. I'm still a little reticent on this idea where I, I like the idea of starting a draft with Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams. And Adams is going much later than I think he should. I think people are spooked by Jimmy Garoppolo and the Raiders offense. So if I can get like two studs to start my draft, I'm cool waiting, waiting for the mid-tier and maybe take like a, a Burrow or Justin Herbert who's ready to explode. Maybe a Trevor Lawrence, maybe Deshaun Watson. Maybe even waiting a little bit longer and taking a shot on Tua Vailoa, who the upside case for him is to be a league winner at the position. So I think that's the question that people need to ask themselves. I think it's the most interesting thing in fantasy. When are you taking a quarterback? Are you doing it really early? Do you want to wait to the mids? Or do you want to wait until the end of your draft? That could determine whether or not you win your league. So my main league uh, for years at this point has done the super flex where you can, and basically everybody does, and it's a 12-team league, you start two quarterbacks. And now everybody can't have three on their roster because backups, injuries, bye weeks, whatever. So sometimes you're starting an extra receiver, running back, et cetera. But I love it because it makes you draft quarterbacks earlier and it makes it more representative of the league. Like to me, it's crazy. Mahomes should be the number one pick. Fantasy leagues should be set up where Pat Mahomes, he's the best player in the NFL. He should be the best player in fantasy. 
Why is that not common knowledge? I, no one agrees with so, me. So, so what do you want? So you're the commissioner of fantasy football. You want to make passing touchdowns worth like 10 points then to make give quarterbacks the advantage? Well, in a two-quarterback league, wouldn't you draft Mahomes one? Uh, I would not draft Mahomes as my first quarterback this year. That does not mean that he he's the best player. He's better than everybody else. I don't think I would take him first. I think, honestly, I think I would take either Allen or Hurts because the rushing equity is just so extreme with those guys. It's more, it's better than Mahomes. And I think you can make a case Lamar should be in that tier also this year. Are you, okay, so what do you think Lamar is going to do? Passing, uh, rushing. He's going to be an absolute beast. Um, I don't think his, ru- so like Lamar's rushing could come down a little bit and he's still going to be a monster. That's Justin Fields time now though fields is now the best the best mobile quarterback in the nfl but yeah. like you know the ravens are running the air right now they brought todd munkin in who's like a great offensive coordinator by the way just coordinated back-to-back national championship offenses of georgia stud offensive coordinator in the nfl had all those great Jameis offenses where Jameis would you know would throw uh Jameis would throw 95 picks but uh so they're gonna be running a spread offense now they're out of like the antiquated greg roman scheme from the mesozoic era yeah andrews beckham Flowers, hopefully Rashad Bateman can stay healthy. Their fourth receiver is Nelson Aguilar. And I am not like a member of the Nelson Aguilar fan club, but he's the best fourth receiver in the NFL. The best number four receiver. He's like, he could be a three on most teams. It's a four for Baltimore. And Flowers has been dominating. Now you need Rashad Bateman to come back to feel pretty good. Dobbins is staging some weird hold in right now, which could hurt the offense. But I think like this is like all systems go for Lamar to have a monster. Yeah, I'm very bullish on Lamar this year. All right, Calvin Ridley. Uh, Ridley's upside. So they're the receivers that are being drafted in the same range as Calvin Ridley. Let, let's put take Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore and let's like group them together. Yeah, here. perfect. It's possible that DJ Moore has a better statistical year than Calvin Ridley. It's possible, right? But it is not in DJ Moore's serious like like um, um outcomes. It's not a reasonable outcome for DJ Moore to be the number one receiver in fantasy football. Like, well, actually, will never happen. Never. Calvin Ridley has it in his range of outcomes to be the number one receiver in fantasy football this year. It doesn't mean he's going to get there, but he's better than Christian Kirk for sure. He's better than Zay Jones. I I like Christian Kirk also this year at ADP where he's being drafted. I think this offense can support both of them. Ridley's upside is so vast that I think if like the tiebreaker for you is like, well, Ridley or Moore or someone like that, the tiebreaker has to be Ridley could win me my league. I don't know if DJ Moore can. I'm really excited about Calvin Ridley. All right, because he's. I think he's just a really exciting, volatile fantasy pick. Um, by the way, like Trevor Lawrence is obviously much better than Justin Fields as a passer. I I understand all of that, but Fields had a passer rating of like ninety one point six his last seven games, and the last game of the year was arguably his worst passing game of the year. Claypool was hurt. Mooney was hurt. Their offense. Claypool's still game. hurt, right? He got hurt again, right? He got hurt again he, with the hamstring. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> No, it's not great. It's not great. But they have, but more Mooney, Claypool, Komet, an improved offensive line, year three in the league, year two in a system, finishing the year strong, plus the rushing. Fields is going to be an absolute monster. I don't have an MVP ticket on him because everyone in the world has an MVP ticket on him. Also, it's going to lose. That would be another good reason not to have it because it's not going to win. I know, but I had the Mitch Trubisky 200 to one ticket. So it, like, which, which, which to be fair, also didn't win. It did. It didn't win. It did. But you know what? You never have a little bit of pride in having a closing line value loser. I take pride in those. Oh, uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. But also like Justin Fields is never going to win. He's not going to win. I agree. I agree. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus all right, this is going to be something that you probably were not expecting me to ask you about, and I won't keep you much longer. But no, we're not going to do any more like here, like name a player, and I get to give you. It's like my favorite thing. I want to do this on my show. Oh, I can. I mean, I I have more. It's up to you. I, I well, I'll sprinkle, I'll sprinkle a few. I'll do some rapid fire ones at the end. Okay. Uh, one of the things about this business, like you were never going to play in the NFL. I was never going to play in the NBA. I was never going to play in the NFL. You were never going to pitch for the Yankees, whatever. But we get to do cool shit that if you would have told, you know, six-year-old Nick Costos, six-year-old Danny Parkins, it would blow your mind, right? Like one of those things for me was I talked to Theo Epstein after he had finally ended the whole thing for the Cubs to win the World Series on my show in the bleachers at Wrigley. And we developed like a somewhat professional, like he would never like text me to go out to dinner, but like, he had a little bit of respect for me. I had a world of respect for him. It was unbelievably cool. And it was a cool working relationship while we were here. You got to watch football with John Madden. That, and that is like one of the things, when you told me that, I had to like hide my unbelievable jealousy for that. I think that is one of the coolest fucking things in the world. Can you tell the story and any stories that you have of personal football interactions with John Madden? Uh, yeah. Um, I love the question. Um, that was going to be my answer, by the way, if you hadn't said it, I was like, well, it's the coolest thing you've ever done. I was going to tell the, I was going to tell the John Madden story because it's the best. Um, so I, I, had- I, I remember you telling me and you said it, like, I think it was like, I don't, I don't exactly remember, but it was like in passing. Like, I know like kind of like where you were working and how like it happened, but like, I want like, 
It was probably one of those Sunday shows that we did where they were like, hey, you're on the air for four hours and you have no break. So I'm like, okay, well, we've talked about all the games. Let me tell a John Madden story here. Yeah, it was something like that. And like, but it's just like, it, I felt like I got like 40 seconds and I wanted 40 minutes. So I don't need okay. 40 minutes here, but like, God, that must've been so damn cool. Yeah, so I, I had the unbelievable opportunity. I've, I've done a lot of cool things in my career. This probably stands out. Um, I was lucky enough to, you fucking cues guys are everywhere, man. I produced for, uh, for Adam Shine for many years at Sirius XM. I, I think it's just, I mean, just like, abs- he's, he is absolutely brilliant. And however brilliant you think he is, he's more brilliant than that when it comes to like his thought process about the business and putting a show together. I've learned more from him about the business than anyone I've dealt with in my entire career. He's the best. So he was the host for Madden football and I was his producer. So ergo, I became the producer of Madden football on Sirius XM. And it meant that not only did I get to produce the show, but I got to talk to John during the breaks. And here you have life, lifelong NFL fan, diehard NFL fan, Nick Costos. And uh, I get to talk to John Madden. And he was really, really, really cool. Towel snapper, loved the bus chops. I would come on the air on Wednesday or off there rather before the show would start. And let's say he picked the Broncos to beat the Raiders and the Raiders had thumped the Broncos that weekend. I would have come on and be like, man, John, that was a great pick. And he'd be like, he'd say something like off color to me, like in response and we both have a laugh. He was the best, super nice guy. So the story about me watching football with John Madden, I think this is actually like the great moments of my entire life. So Adam and I are talking before the divisional weekend that year. So this is the 2011 season. So this is January, 2012. That weekend was actually two great games in the NFC playoffs. It's the epic Niners Saints game on Saturday with Alex Smith and Vernon Davis when they beat Drew Brees and the Niners. And then the next day, the Giants went on the road to Lambeau again and beat the 15 and one Packers coming off a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers as MVP. I remember Adam said to me before that weekend, he goes, do you know what's going to happen if like things play out the way that they could this weekend. And I'm like, what? He goes, you know, the Madden contest. And I was like, oh, that's right. We had run a contest on the show for listeners to win a contest and they got to fly to John Madden's house on championship Sunday, watch the show that we were going to do from John Madden's comp- compound to Northern California. And, uh, and then hang out and watch the games afterwards. Um, so Adam says, do you know, if the Niners and Giants both win, we're going to go to the NFC championship game at Candlestick because Madden's house is right there in Northern California. Lo and behold, that's what happens. So we fly into Northern California for the weekend, literally go to John Madden's house that Sunday morning. Ravens Patriots was the first game. This was the one that the Patriots won. Cundiff misses the kick at the end of the game. And we do the show and we're eating chicken and waffles and we're hanging out with John Madden. And then afterwards we're sitting in this like circular formation of all these like really comfortable, like, like lazy boy recliners. There's a movie screen projector showing the game with like nine other televisions around it, all showing Ravens Patriots. How about like Dave Casper walked in like Raiders greats legends are walking in. Like it's nothing saying hi to John Sandy, uh, Sandy Montag's over there. Like Madden's longtime agent, just like, and then it's like me and Adam and like Nick Pavlatos are our Boston series. And we're looking at each other. Like this is the coolest thing ever. So Ravens Patriots end, ends. We end up getting up. I don't know if I should say this on the air. I will. We get a police escort by virtue of like the people that we're with to candlestick. And I am wearing giants garb and a Yankee hat. And I get to watch my favorite team beat the 49ers in overtime on the road to go to the Super Bowl two weeks later, which I then attended with Sirius NFL radio and watch my favorite team win the Super Bowl. So that that's, that is the John Madden story. And he was the absolute coolest person exactly the same off the air as he was on the air. Oh, is that great? 
did you did you watch the Niners game, the Giants game? I should say with him, like like when you got to the stadium, did he go? Only me and Adam went. It was me. Okay. And, it was me and Shy. I remember I I was like you know yelling the entire game. Victor Cruz had a huge. Justin Smith almost killed Eli Manning in that game like four times. Eli got up after every hit. Victor Cruz had a huge game, and like he had called me on an innocuous pass, whatever, like first and first and ten for six yards, and I would get up and yet do the Cruz. Yeah, and Adam, and Adam like said to me, he's like, he's like, dude, you're gonna get us killed, man. <laughs> it's one of my, it's one of my favorite memories from that day. Oh God, I would have been, I would have been really conflicted about going to the game. Like, watch a second game with Madden. I don't think that was an, I don't think that was an option. If I remember, I don't think that okay. was like on the table. I'm pretty sure that was never on the table. All right, all right. Uh, James Connor. Okay. Oh, I love this one. Um, so people are overdrafting James Conner because he has no competition in Arizona. They're going to be one of the worst teams like maybe we've seen in a really long time in the NFL. The offensive line is terrible. Um, now, behind him, Marlon Mack, we thought was going to be the number two running back. He tears his Achilles. So now it's second-year player Keontae Ingram, who this coaching staff and general manager did not draft, and then a bunch of scrubs like Tyson Williams. So people think, okay, this is James Conner's job. Also, he's not good. And when the Cardinals start losing a lot of games and they're out of it, why would they keep running James Conner into the line? So I'm not saying that like Keontae Ingram's awesome or Tyson Williams is awesome or any of these other running backs are awesome. They're not just that. I think drafting James Conner is you are drafting him to maybe hopefully like fall into the end zone a few times in the first like four to six weeks of the season. And then he might be a non-factor. I would never draft him where he's going right now. Who's going to run the ball for the Miami Dolphins? Well, I think it's going to be a, it'll be a combination of Mostert and Wilson. If I could take one of the three, I would pass on Mostert. I would pass on Wilson, and I would draft late in my draft the uh, the rookie from Texas A and M, Devin A. Shane, who's diminutive. He's like my size, but he also like runs like four two, and he just fits what Mike McDaniel wants to do, right? Get the ball in space to playmakers, have them run by the defense. Devin A. Shane, I think, is a really interesting. He's the most interesting player in that backfield by orders of magnitude. If you could take one rookie wide receiver, who would you take? Okay. If we're going to do ceiling, ceiling is probably Quinton Johnston with the chargers. If that this is, if this is actually going to be a more vertical offense, I think Keenan Allen's like close to the end. Mike Williams is playing a good amount on the slot right now in training camp. Johnson's a vertical receiver. That's the offense. Kellen Moore is going to run. It takes advantage of Justin Herbert's strengths. So I think like the ceiling case is, is Quinton Johnston. I think the guy that's most likely to have like a really solid year it's probably Jordan Addison with the Vikings because, you know, he's going to be their number two receiver and Thielen got a ton of targets last year and he was terrible. And Addison will do something with those targets this year. Jackson Smith and Jigba might be the best receiver out of all of them. He's going to be the fourth option at best in his own offense. He's really tough to like. I like Zay Flowers a lot, but again, a lot of mouths to feed there. So I think Johnston is probably the upside case. I think he would definitely be the upside case. And Addison is probably the safest of the rookies. What's your Super Bowl matchup? You know, probably Philadelphia, Kansas City again. How can you, how am I going to, look, I could kind of like get a little funky with you and tell you Cincinnati, I'm not betting against Mahomes. I just won't do it. Well, if I had to bet, like I wouldn't bet Kansas City. I'd try to make another bet, but this is just like a gun to your head. Be right. Yeah, I'll take the, the Super Bowl participants last year, Kansas City and Philadelphia. I think there are cases to be made for other teams to make it. Dolphins would probably be my favorite in the AFC. Just, just because like if everything goes right and they're in it when Ramsey gets back, their upside is to be like the best team in the league. Miami would be the team that I would look for in the AFC to, to come out of, let's say, nowhere, right? And maybe and maybe take the, the, the crown from KC. All right. 
Nick Costos, you better you bet. No one has a podcast that covers gambling that more people listen to. The number one sports gambling podcast in the world. Living his best life, coming off the best six weeks of his life, but now it's the best seven weeks of his life because he was on first and pod. Love you, man. You're the good, you're good people. Thank you, man. You too. Um, also in this preseason game, Tank Dell, Texans rookie receiver, five for 65 and a touchdown in the first half. I, I think he's and they Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, said he's an elite separator. I like Tank Dell a lot. And also these Patriots running backs can't play a pass block. I think they're gonna sign either Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette uh before their next preseason game next week. This is Nick Costos bold prediction on the way out. You're good people too, brother. Thank you very much for having me. Happy to come on anytime. Best wishes to my man Andrew Filipponi and the new addition to his family. And until we meet again, my dear friend, to you and your audience, I'm wishing everybody minimal sweats, winning bets, and the absolute very best of fucking luck. He's the best. Follow him at the Costo. Subscribe to his podcast. Thanks to Spencer Ray. First in pod. Peace.